a reading from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17, verse 1. Can you all hear me okay? Huh? First uh, Kings chapter 17 verses 8 through 16. The word of the Holy One to Elijah was, Get up, go to Zarephath, which is part of Sidon, and settle there. Watch now, I have commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. And Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. And then he came to the gate of the town and looked. A widow woman was there gathering sticks. And so he called to her and said, Bring me, please, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. She went to bring it. And he called to her and said, Bring me, please, a bit of bread in your hand. Then she said, As the Holy One your God lives, if I had a cake, if I had a cake, there is only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Now look. I'm gathering two sticks, then I'll go home and prepare the oil and flour for myself and for my son. We will eat it and we will die. Then Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as you have said, only make me a little cake of it and bring it to me first and then make something for yourself and your son afterwards. For thus says the Holy One, the God of Israel, the jar of flour will not empty and the jug of oil will not decrease until the day that the Holy One grants rain upon the earth. She went and she did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour did not empty. The jug of oil did not decrease, according to the word of the Holy One that God spoke through Elijah. If I had a cake, period. No, it's right. Yeah, it's right. It's just, yes, <laughs> if I had a cake. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a cake for every time. <laughs> if I had a cake for everybody, every time somebody said, if I had a cake, I would have no cakes. <laughs> Uh, that's right. A nickel. It's based on the context, I think, right? Mom, I don't want to. If I had a nickel for every time somebody said I don't want to. He'd have 10 cents. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another one. <laughs> All right. Next steps in sending. Here we go. All right. <laughs> oh, that's right. There are little mini cakes in the back if you need one. Uh, so we have a New Testament reading remaining, uh, but before we do that, I'm going to explain how we're going to do it a little differently. Uh, we're going to do a spiritual practice together this morning called Lectio Liberatio, or 
liberation reading. Um, it was developed by a guy named Brandon Wrencher, who is a pastor and a church planner in North Carolina with the Good Neighbor Movement, which is a, a network of missional communities itself. Um, I think they're in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, they, they have, uh, you know, it's kind of a riff on Lectio Divina, if you've heard that, which has four moves and kind of four readings. So this, uh, this reading of scripture is oriented around liberation and how do we participate in God's liberative work as we see it imagined in this biblical text. Uh, I listened to a podcast of his recently, and he discussed, he said, you know, one of the, the way that missional communities work for us is that the liturgy kind of holds us together, and this, this Lectio Liberatio is the way that we engage Scripture every week in all of our various communities. Um, these four moves that we'll go through are um, also their values. So uh, I have noticed this for a long time, wanted to practice it for a long time, have one or twice with, uh, once or twice with Neighborhood Seminary, um, but I'm excited to, um, you know, and this text is not particularly like social justice-y. I mean, there's some justice stuff in it, but I'm, I'm curious to see what God surfaces um, as we talk and listen. So what we'll do is, so the, the, the moves, and we can stay on this slide, the moves are belong, be bold, um, be still. What's the one after? Be bold. What's the, well, we'll get to it. There's, there's a third one about healing and liberation. Uh, be, believe, behold, be cake. If I had a cake. <laughs> uh, so what we'll do is we'll, We'll, we'll do four readings. I'll do the first one. I, I need your help to do the other three readings. So if uh, you'll think about volunteering to help, and we'll go through these slides. After each reading, I'll give a couple of minutes and then ask for the next reader. Um, we'll come back to these questions. So we'll have about two minutes after each reading to sit with each of the questions that each of these four moves provide us. After the third move, we'll, we'll stop and kind of talk and discuss and see what's surfacing for you all as you think about these first three questions. And then we'll do the last question, the be still question. We'll do the last question, the last reading and question, and discuss again. So just, uh, just a question on the wording. Question about the questions. Yeah. What is the conflict and or change or challenge? Change. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. okay, so yes, our first our first question for this first reading is uh, is the belong question. What's the conflict and or change in the text? Or, uh, and who or what in the text connects to the story of your family or community of origin? All right, so let's, let's read. The reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Keep going. Yep. Now, when Jesus heard about the death of John the baptizer, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the crowds heard, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he arrived, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and healed their sick. 
Now by evening, the disciples came to him and said, The place is deserted and the time is gone. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy themselves food. Instead, Jesus said to them, They don't need to leave. You all give them something to eat. They replied to him, We don't have anything here but five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And he took five loaves and the two fish, looked towards heaven, and blessed and broke them. He gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up the abundance of fragments, twelve baskets full. Now, those who ate were women and children, besides about 5,000 men. So, next slide. We'll spend a couple minutes reflecting. What's the conflict and our change in the text? Who or what in the text connects to the story of your family or community of origin? It's time for the second reading. We'll go to the next slide, and whoever wants to read, just start. Oh, hold on. Go back. We have uh, our question for the second reading is, be bold. What policies and cultural norms is the text resisting or calling us to resist? What policies and cultural norms is the text resisting or calling us to resist? All right. Second reading. Go to the next slide. Whoever and whenever. Mm -hmm. Test, test. Thank you, Sarah Holland. 
Now, when Jesus heard about the death of John the baptizer, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the crowds heard, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he arrived, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and healed their sick. Now by evening, the disciples came to him and said, The place is deserted, and the time has come, has gone. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy themselves food. Instead, Jesus said to them, They do not need to leave. You all give them something to eat. They replied to him, We do not have anything here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish looked towards heaven and blessed and broke them. He gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up the abundance of fragments, 12 baskets full. Now those who ate were women and children besides about 5,000 men. Again, our question, next slide, Ryan. Our question is what policies and cultural norms is the text resisting or calling us to resist? We're ready for the third reading. And our third, ah, there it is. Become. I knew it was close to be cake. Uh, Right, yep. Uh, Become, and our question is, what vision of healing and liberation does the text call forth? And then um, we'll carry this question into our third reading. Who would like to read? Please get that person the mic. Thank you, Miles. Now, 
when Jesus heard about the death of John the baptizer, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the crowds heard, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he arrived, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and healed their sick. Now by evening, the disciples came to him and said, the place is is deserted and the time has gone. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy themselves food. Instead, Jesus said to them, they do not need to leave. You all give them something to eat. They replied to him, we do not have anything here but five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked toward heaven, and blessed and broke them. He gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up the abundance of fragments, twelve baskets full. Now those who ate were women and children, besides about five thousand men. Our question, what vision of healing and liberation does the text call forth? Okay, I'm curious to hear, um, you can share whatever's kind of bubbling up to the surface, a response to any of these um, questions that surface for you or that sticks. Mm-hmm. After, we'll get to the fourth move after this little time of discussion. So any, any responses to any of the first three Questions that surface for you. Mike? Mike, police. 
How's that? There it is. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, what can I say? Um, what was giving me the biggest problem with this whole series of questions was Lexio Divina has so stuck in my head that the first thing that jumps out at me is the fleeing, because it looks like Jesus is fleeing, um, the the death of John the Baptist, he's running away, he's retreating, he's getting a place to be alone because obviously this has made an impact on him. He mm-hmm. needs to be by himself, mm-hmm. and that's where he's going. At least mm-hmm. that's how that hits me, and, yeah. and I'm going, I don't see any connection with that in my family and community of origin, to be quite honest of it, because we've been rather privileged <clears throat> in where I've grown up, um, you know, other than... Obviously, uh, World War II, you know, mm-hmm. which my, and the Korean War, which my father experienced, mm-hmm. and coming out of growing up in depression and all of that. But mm-hmm. that, that was so far removed from me that I was having a difficulty with that. The thing that just comes to me, though, that relates to the other two is this idea that there is an attitude of scarcity going on in mm-hmm. this text. Mm-hmm. And... So that I see as a conflict, and perhaps as I remember to this day, opening my cupboards and it being filled mm-hmm. with food, every imaginable canned good you can imagine, and well past expiration dates. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was mom's way of doing things. That was dad. Dad had every, I mean, a pantry was never empty. Yeah. And uh, that comes out of their their experience of scarcity yeah. and that. And where then, again, I see that, and I'm just throwing it all, what's all hitting me, with sure. all, if that's okay. What I'm seeing that is that the place is deserted, and I can't help but remember hearing someone doing this uh, from the book of Mark, same situation taking place, and someone interpreting it orally as a storytelling thing and so the disciples say you know this is a deserted place the crowds are hungry send them away you know it's like you see this kind of progression going you're not getting the hit Jesus you know but it again is this scarcity mindset that says look this is all we have we cannot take care of this. But the becoming then that I'm seeing is this idea of a generous trust or a trust in generosity. Mm. So that's how all of this is hitting me mm. personally. Thank you, Daryl. That's interesting to me. Well, um, reading in preparation for this conversation, I don't think I'd ever noticed in this text the grief that Jesus might have been carrying when he retreated uh, to this deserted place because his cousin's just been murdered. Uh, and he is, but I, I didn't consider until your comment that not only is Jesus carrying grief, but he, can we say this? Uh, he's probably carrying some anxiety because he's associated with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist uh, kicked off his ministry, you know, and baptized him. And so is he in trouble uh is uh 
he has other things to do. His time has not yet come, if you will, you know. He's, he's not just going to the desert to grieve. He's going because he doesn't feel safe, perhaps. Um, that hadn't occurred to me either because it's, I haven't been a refugee or an asylee. Uh, so thank, thanks for that. Yeah. Jen. Yeah, I, you know, in regards to what you said about him, you know, escaping kind of a, a rough, a rough thing for him. You know, like, when we are going through things that are hard, you know, that bring us sadness or anxiety, you know, like, there's just not a lot of extra left, right? Mm. Like, we're depleted emotionally. Mm-hmm. We're probably grumpy. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, about dinner times, you know, with- Right. It's my family. <laughs> I did not say that. Hypothetically. You know, no. <laughs> and so I find it very fascinating hmm. that yeah. he does not jump on board with that. Yeah, you're right. Let's let's let him go get some right. food. Like what the heck? Yeah. No, he's like, no, we can we can find food. Like no, we can't. Mm. There's nothing. Mm. That, that's just that's crazy talk. Right. Well, and and even previous to that, he retreats for grief to be by himself for safety, and then this crowd shows up, and, and he's not like, just right, like fifty people, right. thousands, and yeah. he's like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Yeah. Yeah. Like I just want to be alone. Yeah. How does he have anything in the tank for that? Yeah. And he's like, "No, let's just make some dinner, yo." <laughs> Maybe maybe the loaves and the fish are a metaphor for that too. What we have in the tank, or don't. I like how Jesus sounded like the Swedish chef there. <laughs> Mixed with Jesse Pinkman. Mixed with little Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> Yo. Uh, there, there were a few things that jumped out, but two that felt pretty connected in the Be Bold and Become. Uh, Struck by, in the second reading around, disciples are like, let everyone else take care of themselves. And Jesus says no. And this cultural norm of everybody has to take their own responsibility for themselves. Mm. Pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm. You can't take care of yourself, right? Don't accept free handouts, all all those things. Mm. And Jesus puts the responsibility on the disciples to say, like, no, you're responsible for these people. We're responsible for them. Uh, and so pushing against, uh, resisting the cultural norm of placing uh, all responsibility on everyone else. Hmm. Uh, I, I say that carefully, but uh, I'm, I'm struck by that. Hmm. And then the, the second, the vision of healing and liberation, for the first time I thought about how healing and liberating it is for the disciples to be told, give what we have away without any guarantee that the outcome is going to be what they need it to be. Jesus doesn't say, there's going to be plenty. He says, let's use what we have. And it's after that the text comes um, with, and there was a bunch left over. And thinking about the healing and liberation, when as as a community, as a church, as disciples, uh, we give it away with no guarantee of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we trust that what we have will be used, it may or may not be enough, 
but there's there's healing and liberation and not right they're, they're not uh to the scarcity mentality jesus is pushing against that saying what we have is enough uh and i, I was struck by those two uh, and particularly thinking about our community and our own discernment process uh, around mm. what life will be like for us. Mm. Uh, this how, how might we trust giving away whatever it is to whatever's next and the outcomes aren't ours to decide. We're, we just have to be faithful to, to give away what we have. I don't know. That yeah, was, and that somehow what we yeah. have is enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, it's striking as you say that to me the... Uh, the word risk comes to mind, that there's a risk in that moment, not knowing the outcomes, like not knowing if this will go favorably or not. And maybe Jesus knows things better more than we would, but at least for the disciples, like the risk of, I mean, what this, this, these loaves and fish don't seem, they don't seem like they'll go very far. And what, what if people are stranded out here and hungry and, and, and yet, I mean, it just amplifies what you're saying about, um, it, no, it's okay. Um, what, what we have is enough. Let's give it, let's just give what we have. Hmm. Hmm. Anybody else? Kind of along those lines, thinking about, like, as the the guarantee isn't there until the end. So then, like, they're giving away going, I mean, we're not going to get to that group. We're there. Right. Oh, okay, we're at that group. But but we're definitely going to get, get to that group way there in the back. <laughs> and right. uh, I'm about, I'm almost out. Are you almost, oh, wait, no, I'm not, I'm almost out. Like, how did that, like, what did, what did that bring up for them um, as they're kind of in the process of, of seeing that miracle? Yeah. You know, and it's got Jesus' hands to them, five loaves and two fish. They're going, this is not enough. <laughs> and even as it divides, they're like, this is still not enough. <laughs> and then just kind of the continual, like, oh, oh, well, okay, so a little bit more. We'll go to the next group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Miles, you got something? Okay, great. Yeah, it's, it's, I've been, I don't know that these are fully formed thoughts, but in everything that we've been talking about, I was sort of reflecting on, and I guess as I've sort of been reading and learning more about the um, historical context of kind of what was going on in this area and what a, you know, powder keg region uh, Jesus was in, a region that historically, when political movements happened, the powers that be at this time, the Romans, swept through and, like, killed everybody and just quashed. Like, that was a lot of times the seat of rebellion is where Jesus' ministry was going on. Mm-hmm. And we have this moment where, you know, probably at that time, you know, my understanding is a much more prominent religious figure in John the Baptist, uh, many of whom at this point may have seen Jesus' ministry to date as, as sort of just an offshoot of John the Baptist's, mm-hmm. uh, is, is murdered. And, and you think about, like, traditionally the next step is the Romans come through and kill everybody that was associated with that to quash the rebellion. And Jesus retreats. And a small army follows him out there. And so I was just reflecting on the the political nature mm. of what is going on here of, of you know, I think Jesus is is pulling back, is is maybe trying to cool things off, you know, and then here the small army shows up. And it's kind of like, what's going on? You know, what is the next move here, Jesus? And there's this kind of 
countercultural counter movement of like, well, we're just going to have them stay and we're going to feed them what we've got. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, just thinking about that backdrop of the fear and uncertainty mm-hmm. and turmoil. And most of these people probably remember just a generation or two before how everyone got killed and they wiped out an entire city yeah. just, you know, near where all of this is happening. Uh, I was just, that was a new way of reading into this as I was listening to it. Uh, Thank you for that perspective. That's crazy. I never considered how bold it was for thousands of people to go out there to see him amidst that climate. Like, that's intense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So brave. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, and to piggyback on both of that is that culturally in that context, that's where rebellion started in Israel is in, in the, the wilderness, wilderness <laughs> at the spring time. And when you go to Mar- – and the emphasis on 5,000 men as not counting women and uh-huh. children, 5,000 men. And then when Mark comes in, he says, and he has them seated in tens and fifties. That's military units. Uh-huh. You know, that's, uh-huh. that is a scary – uh, you know, when you, you, you first think about that, yeah. and and Jesus is is doing this, or is he doing it, or are they doing it? The disciples thinking, "Hey, you know, we could take on the twelfth legion with this group." You know, yeah. yeah. And then, man, you put all of that together; it's really kind of a a frightening thing. Ooh, uh, yeah. There, I mean, there's a sense. Uh, uh, I hadn't thought about it this way, but that. This, this group of thousands of folks in the wilderness kind of collectively mourning John the Baptist's murder, Jesus' healing and feeding. And there's, how, how does Rome not see that as some act of protest at the very least or solidarity or support for the guy that Herod just decapitated? I am. Is this, yep. um, uh, I'm, I'm struck right now by all the ways I've always prioritized Jesus and the disciple and the miracle. Uh, hmm. Where uh, this conversation, Miles, your, your point for me highlights uh, that there are there are people will, willing to risk. Uh, that we might not yet know this kind of engagement with the world. Mm. Say uh, that in a different way. Um, that the crowd comes knowing potentially the risk, uh, yeah. intrigued by this story. Uh, and I had never prioritized their own risk and involvement yeah. and engagement. Yep. I always prioritized Jesus and the disciples and the miracle. Sure. And if we as disciples would just trust... But there's, for me, hearing it this way, there's hope that there's people out there. And, and I, I believe this philosophically, but I had never thought about this in the context of the story. Uh, that, that there's, there's a hope uh, that we can trust that there's people who want to engage this story, who are willing to risk it mm. uh, in ways that perhaps I've never been aware of. Wow. Or wanted to, uh, I don't know. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I never centered... The risk, the crowds, the crowds yeah. and I'm what just they annoyed. Were... Why are you bothering Jesus? Like, right. He's got to yeah. feed you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're risking to be yeah. there. Yeah. Huh. 
the I can't help but to see an echo, and this this is interesting. I I kind of I came with this sense of the echo, but it feels different on the other side of all of your comments. Um, uh, the echo of Israel in the wilderness after Exodus, and the loaves and the fishes, the loaves and the fishies, the fishes, the fishes, the fish. What's fish plural? Fishes. The cake. Yes, the loaves and the fish echoing manna from heaven, and that manna in the wilderness is God's provision for Israel on the other side of liberation, and that God, given what you all are saying about what this crowd in the wilderness represents, like uh, is what we're seeing here. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is like cultivating this counterculture that is at the edge of empire and that, that he's like, no, 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 uh, we've got our own economy here. Uh, you don't need to go back into the villages and buy from the, like, we, we, we can get the resources from this crowd and from the help of the Holy Spirit kind of multiplying. Uh, uh, it's like, uh, the world, of God, like, uh, concretizes in the wilderness, uh, in this story. Anyway, I, that's not fully formed either. You know, I guess growing up, you know, we all, we all, if we think about this story, we can, I think so. Um, John and Tommy and the Walkers, thank you. Whoever's on Zoom. um, Is is that I was just thinking about growing up and hearing this story and and how it started off, though. I just sat in it because I don't recall that. And having a trauma background, I'm thinking about what Jesus just witnessed. And so there's trauma going on there. And then there's grief going on there, and Jesus goes away to be by himself. And I never picked, I guess I never picked up on that. I never thought about it as, and of course we're kind of jumping over with the crowd coming and stuff, and that's all that I remember growing up about that story. But for the first time, I was thinking more about the fact that here is Jesus that has just experienced trauma, has gone off to be by himself, Mm -hmm. um, to grieve, and here's all these people that show up. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess the unselfishness of Jesus mm-hmm. to put aside his needing to be by himself and grieve and the trauma that he's experienced to take care of the crowd. For sure. And that brought, that just made me, I don't know, that just kind of hit me. I mean, I'm, I'm there with y'all and the rest of it too, but that was a little bit different thoughts for me, I think. Yeah, it bumps, it bumps up against our notions of boundaries and self-care and like Jesus has moments where he, um, he, he backburners that for ministry or for care or I'm, there's a part of me that wonders if on some level, given all that we've said, if, if, if Jesus welcomes it to the extent that uh, I know he likes to get away to be with God. I get that. But like, is there a certain element of like sitting Shiva in the desert together? You know, like this is collective grieving. And so it's not all bad news for Jesus to be like, yeah, 
I don't want to. I, I, it's it's okay to be together in the midst of this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's do the fourth move. Uh, our last question. What is the text calling you to pay attention to in yourself to more fully support this resistance and vision? Um, who will be our fourth reader? Great. Oh. So hard with microphones here. <laughs> now when Jesus heard about the death of John the baptizer, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the crowds heard, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he arrived, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them and healed their sick. Now by evening, the disciples came to him and said, The place is deserted and the time is gone. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy themselves food. Instead, Jesus said to them, They do not need to leave. You all give them something to eat. They replied to him, We do not have anything here but five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked towards heaven, and blessed them and broke them. He gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up the abundance of fragments, twelve baskets full. Now those who ate were women and children, besides about 5,000 men. I'm going to give us a minute this time since we're running out of time. And then we'll, we'll be thinking about this question. What's the text calling you to pay attention to in yourself to more fully support this resistance and vision? All right, who would like to share? All are welcome, none are required. Um, I think... Um, it's asking me to be hopeful that there that there are others that are willing to risk everything 
they're they're brave people. There are Yeah. Just hope. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was struck in this reading when Jesus said, bring what you have to me. Uh, and at the risk of sounding like, let go and let God, just give it over to Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I, I am, I feel this sense of calling to engage and embrace a posture that trusts. Uh, I can't control the outcomes. And the outcomes aren't mine to control, mm. um, which is a more nuanced way of saying let go and let God. Mm. Uh, but really, it is this this posture of letting go. Mm. Thank you, Ben. Mm. Uh, I think for me, uh, two words that come to mind are interruption and risk that um, all of this happens as an interruption to what Jesus was planning to do. And dang it, I am so annoyed by interruptions. Uh, And that is where the good stuff is in this story. Uh, And part of what I love about the contemplative stance in in just paying attention is being open to interruption. Uh, And risk in that I'm... I am anxious and nervous about risk, and it's to, to your uh, letting go and releasing outcomes, um, uh, being willing to take a risk to and what cliches could step out of the boat, you know, go all in, you know, like uh, have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the inclusio, shall we print? <laughs> So yeah, here's here's to interruption and risk. Here's to to being hopeful that others are willing to take those risks. Here's to letting go, releasing outcomes. Here's to what, Daryl? I just um, again, what keeps on hammering home to me is a generous trust mm. for me personally. Yeah. And I think we're all familiar, or many of us are familiar with the. Uh, idea of inherited trauma, that generational trauma mm-hmm. that comes over to you. Um, and I've never thought about the, um, um, my brain just left me, uh, the depression. I never thought about the depression oh. as perhaps something generational for me too. Um, huh. And where do I need to have generous trust mm. in my own life, in my own finances, mm. in my treatment of other people. So that's that's going to be the personal challenge for me. Mm. I love it. Maybe so for all of us. Uh, I really enjoyed that. We should do that again sometime. That was magic or something. It was definitely cake. Definitely. Um, <laughs> Ben? Yeah? No? Okay. Uh, all right. 
thank you, God, for that conversation. And Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Uh, would would you fill the uh, the sails, our collective and individual sails? Catch, uh, help us catch your wind to to move forward in the ways that you're inviting us to trust you, uh, to be hopeful, to let go, to risk, uh, to be interrupted. Uh, to be generous and trusting. God, uh, we entrust ourselves to you. Amen.